Welcome to the Luxury Listing Specialist Podcast with Michael Lafito, where top luxury agents reveal their best practices, plus interviews with real estate industry influencers, thought leaders, and luxury marketing experts. You'll come away from each episode with new strategies and tactics to dominate high-end homes in any market. And now for the latest episode of Luxury Listing Specialist. Here's your host, luxury real estate expert, coach, and trainer, Michael Lafito. Welcome back to another episode of the Luxury Listing Specialist podcast. You are in the right place if you're an agent looking to work smarter, not harder, a broker owner, team leader, looking to increase your average sale price. And uh, I'm so excited about today's guest. But before we get into that, just a couple housekeeping items, a couple reminders. Again, all of our podcasts can be found on iTunes or Stitcher under Luxury Listing Specialist, or you can go directly to LuxuryListingPodcast.com. We have some good ones that are being released consistently, and if you have somebody that you want to nominate or you think there's a topic that uh, you'd like to hear more about, feel free to send us an email, michael at marketingluxurygroup.com, michael at marketingluxurygroup.com. Don't forget our book, Luxury Listing Specialist, is on Amazon. With that being said, today I'm excited to have on our show Joe Rand from Better Homes and Gardens. He's the chief creating officer and brings a wealth of knowledge. Uh, I just saw recently you were uh, awarded uh, from Riz Media um, some some award, and, and I know you travel a lot, so I uh, really appreciate your time booking out, uh, you know, 25, 30 minutes to, uh, to talk to our listeners and provide some value. So welcome, Joe. Thank you so much. It's really a pleasure to be on your podcast. I'm, I'm very grateful for the opportunity. Well, you're, you're certainly welcome. And uh, again, it's an invite-only podcast, so you made the list. Uh, you're doing some great things, <laughs> and um, I really appreciate that. And, and really like what uh, you're our first guest from Better Homes and Gardens. We like to get uh, different perspectives uh, from either boutiques or larger brands. And uh, I, I love the branding. I love some things that uh, you guys are doing uh, so, so thanks uh, again. So, um, t- tell us a little bit about, if you wouldn't mind, a little history. You know, maybe the Cliff Notes version, right? So we can get more into some Q and A. But I think it's always important that guests know a little bit about who it is we're interviewing. Um, so, t- tell us a little bit about your background, if you don't mind. Sure. Uh, my company started about 35 years ago. My mother founded it in the early 1980s. Uh, we're in the suburbs of New York City, the northern suburbs, and. The last 20 years or so, we've expanded out to northern New Jersey and then a bunch of northern counties, uh, all within the New York City metro area. Uh, I got into the company, I got my license when I was 18, but then I did a bunch of other things. I was a law professor for a while. I was a lawyer for a while. Uh, but eventually, the gravitational pull of the family business drew me in. Uh, so about 2001, 2002, I started working full-time for the company because they needed a lawyer and they needed a teacher. Uh, and that was my background. And so I came in, and for the, since then, I've been one of the managing members of the company, along with my brothers, um, a couple of brothers in the business with me. Uh, And then really over the last five years, I've I've gotten much more into the training and speaking and thinking and and developing. I wrote a book last year. I'm writing another one right now um, and, and trying to refine a training philosophy that focuses on not just lead generation, which is what I think a lot of trainers get sucked into and a lot of agents, you know, they, they, that's their, that's what they tend to think of as training is to teach them how to get leads. Uh, but my teaching is more about 
a holistic way of how do you become better at your job? How do you actually do a good job helping buyers and sellers? And I feel that that if you're good at your job, eventually that there's ways to build your business by, by the quality of the work that you do. And so I try to teach that. That's the foundation. And that's really the core of what the book's about. And I, I love that because you're right. There's so much out there about lead gen, lead gen, lead gen, but uh, delivering a great customer experience that naturally, you know, they're going to want to tell others about you is is missed, right? It's just, there's yeah. a lot out there. So tell me a little bit about the book and where could our listeners find it? Is it available? Uh, yeah, you can just, if you just uh, look for me on Amazon or Barnes & Noble or any of the places online books are sold, if you look up Joe Rand, uh, the book's called Disruptors, Discounters, and Doubters. And the basic idea is this, that, that you know, the industry's facing a lot of challenges um, from people that are trying to change the business model and from people who are discounting on commissions and things like that. But, you know, the real problem is that we've not done a good enough job in the industry of raising our game of, of improving the client transactional experience, that all of our innovation goes in, like you said, to lead generation. That's where we put our innovative energies. That's where we put our training energies. And what we need to do is if we focus more on the client experience, we can stave off the kind of disruptive elements that are out there trying to change the game uh, because we just need to do a better job. And, you know, you said you know, that's the way to get business is to create raving fans, people that are going to go and talk good things about you. I, I think that's part of it. I think part of it is the fact that, you know what, I don't know a lot of great plumbers who don't do well. I don't know a lot of great doctors who don't do well. Like my, my basic feeling is that if you become a great real estate agent, if you're good at your job, that the business comes to you. It comes to you from the past clients, like you say, but also it, it comes to you because if you're good at your job, your listings sell, uh, you're good at marketing, you're you're good at holding transactions together so your deals don't fall apart. You're good at working with buyers so your buyers find the right house. Like being great at your job is, is what we should be teaching agents how to do and secondarily then teaching them how to leverage the quality of their work into building their business and generating leads and new clients and things like that. But the first thing we have to teach them is how do you do a good job you know, with, your, with, your, with your clients. And I think that's, that's consistent, I think, with what you do because I know you're teaching people specifically about the, uh, the luxury end of, of things. And you know, what I think often happens in that part of the market is that, you know, when, when, when the prices get higher, people pay more attention to what they're doing. Uh, and so I think it's probably very consistent with what you do, because I think a lot of what you teach is how do you do a great job marketing and promoting a high-end listing or a luxury listing? How do you find the buyers and things like that? And that's, that's part and parcel of what I try to teach people at, at all the different price points. Well, you know, what, what a great title. So I want to make sure that I, I have it right, right? So the title of your book is Disruptors, Discounters, and Doubters. Like, that, give it to me again. And Doubters. And Disruptors, doubters. Discounters, and Doubters. Yeah, the 3D. Yep. Disruptors, Discounters, and Doubters. Yeah, that, that you know, and, you know, it, you were at Inman, New York. I was there, and uh, Disruptors is, is a big buzzword, right? The buzz, yep. You go to these conference, disruption, disruption, disruption. Yeah. You know, what, and part of the reason, you know, there's so much synergies between your message and my message is, you know, improving transactional experience. I want to, you know, improve. I think the bar is so low that, you know, when homeowners hire a luxury homeowner, any homeowner for that matter, but, you know, somebody that's got a high-end property, 
you know, there's so many agents out there doing the same thing as everybody else. And unfortunately, in most markets, that shift occurs from a seller's market to a buyer's market. And it's usually in the luxury space. And when, when a homeowner's got a, a house that they're trying to, to sell and there's tons of inventory and it's definitely a buyer's market, you know, agents can't do status quo. They can't do the same things as everybody else. And otherwise, they'll go with a discounter if there's no value there. So yep. you have yep. to bring value to the table. Yep, that's exactly right. I mean, there's a whole chapter in the book about the fact that we've allowed our value proposition uh, to really decline. That, you know, it used to be, for example, hey, it was, it, I'm, I'm going to put your home on Zillow and I'm going to put your home on Realtor.com. And, and that actually used to be something that was meaningful because uh-huh. you needed a certain amount of technical, technical wherewithal. You needed a certain amount of money to distribute your listings to syndication partners. But, uh-huh. you know, people are still talking about that now as if it's a competitive advantage, but it's something that you get just by being a part of MLS. Like, you put the property into MLS, it goes out to all the syndication partners because the MLS now takes care of it. And so, you know, I think that there, you know, the bar gets raised, and I think it, it, it um, and I think in the high end, you do see more marketing. I mean, people, I think, have adopted a higher standard of, of um, performance in the high end, but I think you're right that they're still kind of falling back on the same tried and true things. I mean, I'm still, I'm still surprised a lot of times in the high end that you don't see professional photography. I'm still shocked that you don't see professional staging that you don't see. I mean, there's little bells and whistles. There's video and things like that, that you can, you can brand to it. I'm not sure exactly where, where you, where you fall on that in terms of what you recommend, oh, but huge. like, I'm huge video, huge. Yeah. Video. So video, I mean, yeah, like things like that. The gold standard, especially for, for luxury homes, you know, many sellers are expecting it. Right. And, and the, I call it the, the, the word I use is called positioning. Many agents are terrible at positioning these properties. And it's not just the photos or the description or if they're incorporating video, but staging, curb appeal. I mean, and being able to articulate that, Joe, so that the homeowner is not offended. But, but many agents tell sellers yeah. what they want to hear to get the business. Oh, I love your pink yep. wallpaper. Don't worry about the brass. <laughs> oh, yeah, brass is coming back. Or, oh, don't worry. They'll see past that. You laugh because yeah. you know it's true. Yeah, right? yeah no, I, absolutely. That, that you, you, it, it takes, you know, there's so many agents who are afraid to tell a client what they don't want to hear. And they, they're afraid that if they do that, they're just not going to get the listing. And so they end up getting these listings, which don't sell. I mean, you know, they're not going to sell yeah. if, if you're over, you know, they're afraid to tell them the realities of pricing. And they're yeah. afraid to tell them that there are things that are so personal about the property that they're going to turn off the average buyer. Um, and so the property doesn't sell. They don't make any money, but like they feel happy because they get a sign on a $3 million house. And, and that brings them a certain amount of uh, satisfaction. But like, to me, it's not about listing the home. It's about selling the home. And, um, and I think that the, the, you got to do good work and, and there's a million little things that go into the luxury aspect of that. But I think what the, what the, the, the most important thing to me is that, uh, and, and what I think is a, would be a, a kind of a contrarian take on this whole thing is that most of what we do in the luxury, like the, 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 the expensive marketing, the, the, the extra marketing that we do in the, in the luxury and the high-end markets that we do is in the grand scheme of things, not really that expensive other than like video where you can get into a couple of thousand dollars to produce sure. a, a really, um, you know, super uh, slick video as opposed to a standard couple of hundred dollars listing video with the drone shot and then a couple of interior shots, which, you know, depending on the market might be, you know, you might already be well ahead of what your competitors are doing. 
But, you know, when we're talking about things that cost a couple of hundred dollars, once you get into a couple of thousand dollars, I think it's a different discussion. But if you're talking about things uh-huh. for a couple hundred dollars, here's my contrarian take, is that we should be doing that marketing for every listing. Like, what I would want to do, like, if I, you know, with the, with the program that you promote, is that other than the things that, like, get into the really high ticket items, why don't we do that for every seller other than, yeah, the $10,000 mobile home or something like that? But anything right. that's sort of a, in that, you know, average priced home, why do we say, well, we're going to do professional photography when it's over a million dollars, but we're not going to do professional photography when it's a $400,000 house? Well, a $400,000 house, if it's a 4 or 5% commission, we're talking about twenty, twenty-five thousand dollars. They're paying you twenty or twenty-five thousand dollars. You're telling me that you can't spend two hundred dollars for a professional photographer going and take twenty-five photos of the house, like that? That's yeah. something you're going to hold out for a million-dollar home. Like that, to me, is what drives me crazy. Is that is that we don't do a good enough job on on most listings, um, and and you know we'll raise the game a little bit in the high end stuff. But then what we should be doing is on the high end stuff. Yeah, there should be video. There should be professional staging. There should be all the things that are that higher level. Yeah, you're not going to do professional staging for a $300,000 house, for a $400,000 house, but there are things that you're doing right now that you, that you do only in the high end that you should be doing for the $300,000 right. house, and then reserve the high-end video and reserve the high-end staging for the luxury segment, so there is still something special for them. But to me, something as rudimentary as professional photography, to me, seems to be something that we should be offering yeah. like to every seller. You know? Well, you know, in photos is one thing. You can have a, a, an amazing photographer, but and this is what we teach. I could spend hours yeah. on this topic alone. Um, and but accentuating the best features of the home and downplaying the least favorable—that is a skill that agents need to be taught, and th- they don't teach that. So, in other words, if you're showing yeah. this amazing family room and there's a lot of distraction, the confused mind doesn't buy, right? And so you have to know what the focal points of each of the rooms are, accentuate that, and downplay the least favorable aspects of the home or the location. And and so you can have the best photography in the world, but if, like you said, it's not staged and positioned properly. Um, it, it's, it's, it's not good enough either. Now, there's two things I want to talk about just real quick. There's two quotes that sure. I... I, um, you know, when I speak on, I was just in Boston this week doing a certification training and we had 40 agents in the room and, and um, by the show of hands, it wasn't, you know, a scientific poll, but I always ask, hey, you know, raise your hand if you have, you know, a listing, three listings, five listings, and then keep them raised if you have a million-dollar listing. And, and out of the 40 agents in the room, you know, maybe only six had a million-dollar listing, but most were trying to get listings. That's why they, they came to the class. And... And so, you know, there's an old adage, uh, a, 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 a sign in a luxury uh, yard is better than a sign in the car, you know, but, but I'm a big believer that don't mislead people. Too many agents, we talked about this briefly, tell sellers what they want to hear. But the other part of the problem, though, Joe, is they, don't, they might not try to mislead the seller and tell them what they want to hear, i.e., oh, I love your wallpaper, don't worry about it. But that's part of the problem, too, is many agents can't segment. They can't put their personal uh, taste to the side. So even if I walk into a home and I love the decorating, but I know that market research suggests that it's a little too decorative, it's not a Mm -hmm. timeless classic, you have to put your personal preferences aside and be neutral when you're representing a seller. So, you know, Joe, I personally love your animal heads. I'm I'm a hunter, but that might turn off the buyer, (laughs) so we really want to neutralize, you know, the loose head above the the fireplace or whatever it might be. And, And so many times it's not even 
agents just telling them what they want to hear. It's, hey, the agents, you know, Debbie Dinosaur agent or De- Dinosaur Dan yeah. agent that, that likes the wallpaper and the brass, they go in there and say, hey, I got wallpaper and brass in my house. So I'm, I, I, I like I it. It's fine. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. But the agent needs to have, have a have sensibility it. too. Yeah. You have to have a sensibility. You've got to have your finger on the pulse. I mean, there's so many great market research reports out there from brands and, and neutral brands and, and NAR and, and so forth. You really have to know what today's buyers are, are looking for and being able to articulate that, you know, to, to a seller. And then the, the other thing is, you know, there's an old adage out there. You want to be the firstborn, the second wife, and the third real estate agent. And the reason people <laughs> say that is because maybe the first and second agents told the seller what they wanted to hear. Or, or maybe by the time the third agent tells them, you got to take that, that animal head down. Yep. Like, you know what? I want to be with my grandkids. I'm willing to do whatever it takes now. Yeah. But I wasn't the first agent yeah. and the second agent, right? Yep, that happens a lot. I mean, I, I just did a, I had a appointment. I, I, I don't go on a lot of listing presentations myself. I'll go on occasional high-end stuff or developer stuff uh, with the uh, with the agents. I mean, we have like a thousand agents, so I don't go on a lot of individual stuff. But I went on a listing presentation recently. It was a personal referral that I gave to one of my agents, and I felt obligated to go because I, I didn't know the seller, but the seller was a friend of a friend. So I went and did the process with her and it was very, it was, it was, it was, it was great and it was a lot of fun, but you know, at the end of it, um, you know, we thought the home was worth about maybe 3 million and the seller thought it was worth four and a half and had been told by another broker was worth four and a half and, and, you know, we didn't get it and we didn't get it uh-huh. because the other agent had come in like with that ridiculous price point and, we said as we walked out, we said, we're not going to get it, but you know, we really don't want it. I don't want to go spend right. a couple thousand dollars marketing this home and then spend the next year explaining why it hasn't sold because he's going to forget that we told him it was worth $3 million. Um, You know, the chances are either he'll get bored and get desperate and then he'll reduce it or he'll take an offer that he gets at the price point that we suggested or he'll expire and we'll get it on the rebound. But either way, right. it's not worth taking if it's that crazy. And that, no. that, I think, the agents aren't willing to do that because they'd rather have the sign. But you're right. I'd rather be the next person in after they have a failed experience than be the first person in. Hey there, it's Michael Lafito. Thanks again for listening to our podcast. If you are interested in signing up for our luxury listing specialist certification, or if you want additional information on how you can dominate selling higher-end homes in your marketplace, make sure you go to luxurylistingspecialist.com. You know, it's funny, you were saying something and it kind of struck me that my guess is that kind of the way I was looking at that, that take I said before about how we should be marketing all homes like luxury homes, I think right. the way to put that would be that I think we as an industry, we should be marketing all homes the way that the average realtor markets a luxury home. And we should be marketing luxury homes at a higher level above that, which is probably what you teach. In other words, the lug- there were true luxury homes should be marketed according to the scriptures and standards that I think that you've alluded to that you talk about, you know, knowing market research and and doing all those things. But I'd be really happy, quite honestly, if the average industry agent taking the average three or $400,000 home or whatever is average in their marketplace, and they took what is their right now standard luxury program, Uh, you know, we'll do a drone shot, we'll do professional photographies, we'll do a simple video, we'll do some basic staging and detailing of the property and things like that, because that would raise the game just on the overall, like just to do that would be amazing. And then leaving aside and really then focusing 
truly the exceptional work that we need to do when you're talking about a three or four million dollar home in most markets. Uh huh. Uh huh. You're absolutely right. Raising the bar, and then then when you get to those three million dollar or whatever it is, you know, even being creative and taking it to that next level, um, and that's that's really in a nutshell what our goal is for our certification, for the podcast, for our books, yep. and all that. It's really raising the bar you know, that it really needs to be raised. And um, so many, what I've found is so many of these agents that, 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 that list, not necessarily market, but that list these luxury homes in the different markets, you know, many times they've just been ingrained into that market. They, they help that person, you know, generationally, maybe have helped other family members. And it was really by default because they're in that circle of trust because they're liked that they get the listing, but they're not marketers, right? They, they, they're, uh, no. they're reactive marketers. In other words, they, they, they're passive. They put it on the MLS and expect others to sell it. And that's, that's the problem with the industry. The other thing that you brought up um, was um, that I wanted to briefly touch upon is that because I always like giving solutions. So you go on a $3 million listing appointment, you and someone on your team, and the other agent tells them $4.5 million, and they go with that other agent. So I already assume um, that they're interviewing other agents, and so I plant that seed. Now, Mr. and Mrs. Seller, I'm going to provide you data that I think justifies where we should go to market. Um, however, keep, keep in mind that some of the oldest tricks in the book, our agents will come in here and tell you, A, I have a buyer already, so go with me. I, I think I have a buyer. Or B, they tell you what you <laughs> want to hear and tell you, to, oh, I think it's worth four or four and a half when all the data doesn't tell that. Now, yeah. what I'm willing to tell you is if you like us, you like our marketing, you like our systems, but, we, but we're off on price, just give us that opportunity so we can have that conversation. Don't just automatically go with the guy that says, oh, man, this guy thinks my house is amazing. He doesn't yeah. tell me I have to take my animal heads down and all this stuff. I'm gonna, and, he's, <laughs> and he's telling me my house is worth a million and a half more. I'm going with yeah. him. No, if you like our systems, you like our track record and what we're doing, but the price isn't driving, just let us know that. And we might be able to get work through it, or maybe we're going to disagree, agree to disagree. But, but if everything else lines up, just give us that opportunity. So that's the one thing where many times you can get a seller to come back to you and, and at least give you the first right of refusal, so to speak. Yeah. Now, if you don't want the listing, um, what's, what are some things you can do to the, to the, and, and mention to the seller, you can say, Mr. or Mrs. Seller, I hope you get four and a half, but do me a favor. Just keep us in mind if, you know, after a month, 30, you know, 35, 60 days, six months, a year, maybe after two weeks, if he tells you to adjust the price to more in line what we're telling you, just keep us in mind. We, we pride ourselves on being transparent and yeah. telling people what they need to hear, not what they want to hear. And so just keep us in mind if you ever need a second opinion or you're unhappy because you felt like they just told you what you wanted to hear. Just kind of plant that little seed of doubt so that if it is way overpriced and they do reduce the price by, you know, 750 or a million or this, the yeah. agent recommends that they're already saying, man, you know what, jo, you know, Joe Rand was right, man, I should have listened to him. And so when it is coming up for expiring or they cancel, they'll keep you in mind. Well, that's what, yeah, that I think, and it's funny how much of like best practices I think are so much more important in the high end because it is the, 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 the you know, the stakes are so much higher. 
Um, but that's the kind of thing that like every agent should be doing. I mean, because agents buy the listing at every price point. Um, it's just so much more, it's so much easier to buy the listing at, in the high end because pricing itself is, is a little tougher. You know, when you get to some of these homes, a lot of them are unique in a way that it's not that easy to comp them out. So pricing can be a little bit more ambiguous. Um, and so it becomes that much more of a, that much more difficult if another agent comes in and just makes it up because it might be that the data doesn't really show that, you know, you know, and you have a pretty good sense of what people are going to do, but like, it just may not be, um, uh, it's not clear on the face of it. And so I think you're right. You want to plant that seed and you, what you really want is then when the, when the other agent comes to them a month and says, well, it looks like we're not getting any good feedback. We should reduce it by $750,000. They say, you know, that's exactly what, uh, what, what Michael said was going to happen. He said, you were going to get right. this listing at this price and immediately try to get me to reduce it. You said you could sell it at 4 million, go sell it at 4 million. That's what yep. you want going on in their head. Um, you know, what, what I did was when we didn't get the listing, as I said, it was a personal referral. I sent a little personal note to the person. I wished them luck. I told them, oh, you have a great broker. Have a wonderful experience. If I can be of any help, give me a call. So I left open the, you know, to be a... yes. You, you weren't sour about board it. For them if they have any questions, but don't be sour about it. That's the other thing right. that sometimes happens is that agents yeah. get bitter and sour about it. And like, I couldn't be, I wasn't upset. I mean, I knew that I, you know, and the other thing is that, you know, I'll, I'll just give you some, something that's happened to me in the last couple of years is that I went through the process as a homeowner. Um, I had bought a, a condo on the Hudson river in Nyack and it was a, I bought it at a, it was a luxury property and I bought it. And then I, I sold it a couple of years later. Um, and I had the experience of selling and I had the experience of, you know, being very aggressive initially on pricing, um, because it was a difficult property to price. And my, I did hire some agents at my company to help me with it. I wasn't going to list it on my own. Um, and they, you know, they were, they were, didn't push because they knew that, you know, but what I learned from it, and then I eventually reduced it and I did some other things and I got it sold and I did really well with it over the couple of years that I owned it. Um, but what I learned from it, what I really, what I, what I kind of internalized is that, you know what, in the industry, we have this thing about pricing where we say, you know, the agent's always right and the seller always wants to overprice it. And, you know, it's a whole negotiation that we have to, you know, when we teach pricing to agents, we teach it almost like, you know, your job is to get the seller to accept your expertise and price it where you want to price it. And in my mind, I think that's backwards because I think that at the end of the day, it's a seller's home. You know, the seller wants to price it where they want to price it. You, your job is to guide them through the process and show them what's going on in the market. If they ultimately decide, you know what, I really want to be aggressive here. I want to try to get the, a higher price, even higher than the market seems to share. Then you can make a decision whether you want to take the listing or not. You can walk away if, it's going to be, if you think it's unreasonable, it's not going to sell, it's just going to make you look bad. But it's really the seller's, it's the seller's choice. If the seller wants to do that, that's their, it's their home. They can make that decision. And what you have to hope is that, what you do is you set it up in a way that you just don't bear the blame. The only thing you want to make clear is that, all right, listen, I just want to put it on record. This is what I recommended, but we'll try it your way because you're the boss and I'm here to do it. I'm your fiduciary. Um, right. And I've, I found because I, I found that going through it as a seller, I needed to discover that I was overpriced, right? I needed to test the market. I needed to put out my, take my shot. And when my shot didn't happen, I was smart enough to then reduce it to a price point where I could get it sold. But I took and I shot for the moon. And I didn't get it, and I was fine. And I lost a few months, but I was okay losing a few months. And so, although we tend to in the industry, we tend to be really skeptical of that. I think that it's a particularly in the high end where it's more ambiguous on the pricing. I think we got to get the sellers. You know, we got to give them a little leeway to discover things for themselves. 
just getting a, get a long enough listing period time that we can still have the listing when they realize that they're, that they're unrealistic, you know? Right. Yeah, you bring up a good point. And uh, one of the things that we teach in our certification is pricing, pricing luxury homes when there are no comps per se because it's such a unique property. I always recommend, you know, and Joe, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on this, but we always recommend to agents don't talk price first, especially with this luxury property. So uh, again, I'm, I'm a real big disc personality guy and, and uh, you know, I'm more of a D, a driver. So believe me, I want, I want to walk out of there with the listing. However, you know, when you're going on on a luxury listing, I mean, very rarely will I come prepared with a CMA or a suggested price. Now I do come in with what I call my luxury snapshot, which lets them know what similar priced homes are. But I'll, I'll do this. If you're the seller, Joe, I'll say, hey, Joe, just to kind of give you an idea, you know, the goal for today is to see the home firsthand, to share with you what makes us different, unique, to find out a little bit more about, you know, your situation and, and, and your timeline, your needs. But, Joe, I want to prepare you. I'm not prepared to give you a, a, a price today. Um, by the way, any agent who comes with a price is suggested, in, in our industry they call it a, a CMA, I'd walk them to the do- door, Joe. How can they give you a price on this unique home, this custom home, this whatever, you know, just to rear end a little bit, build them up a little bit. But how can they give you a price when they haven't walked through it and seen all your amazing finishes firsthand? And, I, I, and so I've already planted that seed, Joe, that when those two other three agents, two or three or four other agents come out, after me with their CMA, nice and bound. They're like, you know what? Michael's right. Like, how, how can they give me a price? They even walk through it. And, and so that's my philosophy on pricing. What's yeah, I, I, property? You know, it's funny because what's interesting, and I'm, I'm enjoying this conversation because, you know, my whole approach to the industry is to try to identify what I see as best practices for how do you do a, a good job for your clients? How do you do, what's the best job you can do? And so I talk about pricing from a collaborative standpoint, that it's a process of discovery between you and your seller, not you telling them what it should be, particularly, as you say, not telling them what it should be before you actually saw the property because you put a suggested price in the CMA that you prepared, you know, three days ago. Um, that, I mean, it's a terrible idea to do that. And, and in fact, I just, I even tell agents, you should never suggest a price. It's, it's not your job to suggest a price. It's your job to educate the seller, say, here's what's going on in the market. What do you think? Um, now you and I both know that in a lot of most markets and at most price points, you probably know going in, you probably can guess that sale price within five to 10% when you're talking about, Hey, it's a high range in the development. And there's been five sales in the last year, all in this price range. This house is going to sell in that price range. I don't care what kitchen they put in. It's still going to be selling in that price range. It might be at the high end, but still give you in the range. But, but luxury stuff is very different because the homes are much more unique. Now, if it's a $2 million house in a market where the average price is a million and it's a $2 million house, which is in a development with other $2 million houses that are similar, well, then, then you're going to have more of a uniformity. But I just see a lot of times that just the pricing in the high end can be very um, ambiguous and unique and you have to be a little bit more flexible on things. And you're right. You've got to see the property. You've got to look at the – you've got to actually view it. And I think you also show respect that way to the seller that you're not coming in with a with a with your mind already made up, um, and and that's what becomes useful is that that that's your job. Your job is to educate them about the market. Now, the one thing I would sort of qualify in terms of what you said is that in my mind, my if I create a CMA, my CMA doesn't have a price in it. 
All my CMA does is the comparable market analysis. It's an analysis of the comps that are out there. So I'm not trying to give a, I'm not trying to give a price. What I'm trying to do is say, here's what's out there. And it's my job to make sure I've been, I've done a good job of kind of pulling the comparable properties, what are actually comparable to this. And that's how I kind of start to frame the pricing discussion for the seller is by what properties I've chosen to show them. So, you know, in a high end property, you might have to go a little further afield. You know, it's not someone who's looking to buy a $4 million house isn't necessarily looking to be in a particular neighborhood. They want a house that has certain features and, you know, they're going to be, you know, getting a chauffeured ride to work every anyway. So they don't, they're not care about the kind of things that like somebody in the more moderate price point might care about. Um, right. So, right. you know, you got to have that flexibility. I think that's kind of what you're talking about. And I agree with you. Yeah, a- absolutely. Absolutely. Well, some really, really good, uh, really good conversation today. Um, if somebody wants to find out more, a little bit about Better Homes and Gardens, or uh, get in touch with you, what's what's the best way, Joe? Um, they can find me. Uh, I just want to clarify: I don't work for the franchise system, Better Homes and Gardens Real Estate. I'm a right. I'm a broker, Better Homes and Gardens yep. Rand Realty in uh, New York State and New Jersey. Uh, you can find me on Facebook if you just search for Joseph Rand on Facebook. You'll probably I'll probably come up pretty quick in the search results. You can Google me. Um, you can find my book on Amazon, like we said, under Joe Rand, Disruptors, Discounters, and Doubters. Uh, or you can go to JoeRand.com where I keep a blog that I write, you know, like once a month or so I write something to the blog. But there'll okay. be information about speaking and things like that where I've been and where I'm going to be. Um, so, yeah, they can find me there. I'm pretty easy to find if you know my name. I've been yeah. pretty good about getting those, getting those SEO going on my name. Yeah, you know what? Uh, I'm I'm looking forward to uh, getting a copy of the book as well. Uh, what a great title, by the way. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, the yeah. title is yeah. the, the title is the hardest part. Get a good title. Yeah, good title is is difficult, and then of course a, a cover, and you know that that's something we we just released our book uh, in September too. So, uh, congratulations! I know how big a deal that is to get get it done and get it out. Tell you what, you send me a copy, I'll send you a copy. You don't have to go hey, on Amazon. There we go. We'll there an, we go. We'll do an exchange. Thank you. <laughs> Terrific. Well, good. Well, hey, listen, I really appreciate your time. Uh, just a reminder for the rest of us, again, previous episodes, you can find them on iTunes, Stitcher. Uh, you can go to uh, LuxuryListingPodcast.com. And uh, just a reminder, too, if you're interested in our, our free Ultimate Listing Blueprint, uh, we put together a 56-point checklist and a free three-part video series, text the word LUX, L-U-X-E, to 72000. Again, text LUX, L-U-X-E, to 72000. And um, we'll ask you for your information, and we'll send you uh, the Ultimate Listing Blueprint, the video checklist, and the free three-part video series. My name is Michael Lafito. Remember, in this industry, you're going to get kicked in the shins. You're going to get knocked down. Stay positive. Continue to prove them wrong. Take your business to the next level. And uh, like, like Joe said today, improve the transactional experience for your clients. And let's raise the bar together. With that being said, remember, it's not the market. It's the marketing. Michael Lofito. Talk to you soon. Until next time.